All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast, you know, because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could even be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. And the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. There are great people throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, tap into our human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, so I, I just have a real treat on the line. I can already tell we, we were speaking before. This person, she is a leading sales expert. She's been selling her entire life as a as a little girl to to make an extra buck. I mean, even just selling, you know, rocks in her elementary school, she made um, some money. She she went on as a twelve year old to be one of Avon's top sellers in her area. Has sold over a billion dollars in revenue. But what I love about her is she's created this awesome approach to business, where now she's a, an entrepreneur and she's really the creator of of something called the generosity culture, where she'll talk to us a little bit about how she consults with companies. She's a host of a top ten uh, rated podcast, a winning the winning mindset mastery, an author of Magic Blue Rocks. She's a speaker. She's also a proud veteran. We're coming off Memorial Day. I am so pleased to welcome none other than April Sprints to the podcast. Welcome, April. Thanks, Alex. What an intro. Thank you. Well, you are you are certainly worthy worthy of it, and um, you know I'm so glad that I met. You another person. I feel like anybody that we've I've met from the Outliers Project has just been such a an awesome guest, and and um, you're you're no different. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. So, you know, April in this conversation, I I want to definitely let the guests know about you and your story, and kind of you know what you you know have been through, and kind of you know how you connect with people to to really help them accomplish some amazing things in their lives. But, you know, you you have this great background of like, you know, uh, really uh, like I use this story like in the beginning of the book, like someone had to like, you know, show you like do something really, really kind for you at a, at a young age. And you didn't realize it was even kind because it was out of something so difficult. And the the person I'm talking to is that little boy when you were six years old who just, you know, said you know, he was, you know, kind of outing you for not having money and even calling you poor at the time. But you didn't realize at the time that this kid did so much for you because, you know, he said, okay, maybe you're poor or something like that. You know, here's, I have a blue crayon. Do you have a sharpener or something like that? And you kind of realize that, you know, this person, it was unexpected for him to do that. You just thought he would rag on you for being poor. And I guess my, my question is, you know, how do you, you know, how, how do you kind of like use that like today to take something that maybe something like something that, you know, we should feel like is is sad and just, you know, a really tough thing in our lives and, and kind of use it. How do you use it today and help people use the worst things that happen to us in the form of maybe something positive for us in your life today? Well, I think that that was an excellent example of how nothing happens to us. Everything is happening for us. And candidly, Brad was very kind, and he wasn't even calling me out as being poor for any other reason other than solving the fact that 
your jeans are too short. Your mom should get you new ones. Oh, she can't? Oh, okay, you're poor, right? He wasn't being unkind at all, but he lit a fire in me. And what is so funny is I still know Brad. I don't know him well. And for years, he didn't know he was wow. in the book. <laughs> and Oh, that's amazing. What a great story. Oh, my goodness. I happened to tell him just recently, hey, you know, you're, you're in this book that I wrote. I didn't put your last name in it. I'll send you a copy. And I sent it to him, and I got the kindest and sweetest message of, I am so sorry that I ever said anything like that that would be, you know, upsetting to you. But wow, look at what you did. All I remember was just how much fun we had and the things that we did. I can't believe that happened, right? And I think all of us have the opportunity to be this catalyst in someone's life. And sometimes it may seem like it's not the most positive thing in that moment, but it is a huge gift. And I would never want that to have not happened because I think that really started my trajectory on mindset and business and sales. Yeah. I mean, I just wrote this down. Like, this is one of my favorite quotes. You, 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 you write. So, like, we should all aspire to have our regular, ordinary actions, which that was, be so generous and loving that they could change lives in ways we can't even imagine. So, Brad had no idea he was going to do that. And what I love that, like, you know, he, he said he was sorry, but you know, he was doing something, you know, really generous by just moving and changing the subject because it didn't matter. And then, you know, you said, we should all remember that our darkest times and biggest struggles often put us in the perfect place for the best thing to ever happen to, to 100%. us. 100%. Yeah. Can you talk, talk about that? that? Because like, I, I think, you know, people will say like, okay, that's a great, I know, like maybe they've heard that line and I know, you know, it's a, a maybe I think, I don't know who originally quoted it. Maybe it was Tony Robbins or something, you know, life doesn't happen um, to you. It happens uh, for you. I think you. it was probably a Greek philosopher way, way before probably all of way, us. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but we all can, you know, attribute it to like, um, you know, personal development stuff. But, you know, like I've heard it the other way, like, yeah, but it like, let's just be real. Like things will, life isn't, life is tough. Life is hard. Things will happen to us in life. I've heard it, you know, put like that, but tell me why things happen for us. Cause you know, you know, regardless of your religion, right? Like things are going to be put in front of us and they're going to be tough things. And I'm sure there are people that you grew up with that even worse things, April may have happened to them you know, in your neighborhood or that you've been to school with, um, but they didn't maybe go in the same type of direction. So tell me why you truly believe that, um, you know, life happens uh, for you or, and, and kind of, you know, um, like, uh, you know, how do you remind yourself of that? Even, even when your life's going well, like going super well, and maybe things in the future are, are gonna, you know, change and shift and you need to be prepared for it. Well, I think number one, there's a, a quote, this too shall pass. And I think that is true, whether it's the greatest moment of your life or the hardest moment of your life. The reason that I believe so strongly that things are happening for us, not to us, is because if I look back in my life to everything that someone could say was negative that has ever happened to me, I can directly correlate it to preparing me for, leading me to, or help pushing me towards something that was absolutely amazing in my life. Now, there are folks that say nothing happens but bad things. Well, I believe you. 
I believe that nothing but bad things happen to you if that's what you're focused on. Because another thing it's important to remember is we get what we focus on. And that's not just based on spirituality or faith. It's also based on science. Because the way that our unconscious mind works is it points out more of what we tell it is important. And if you haven't ever seen an example of this, go buy a new car. And you may have never seen that vehicle in that color on the road before, but the moment that you let your unconscious mind know that that matters to you, it will point it out to you on the road over and over again. <laughs> you know, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, like we get what we focus on. Yeah. Like, so like, even like we tell ourselves a lot of stories too, 100%. right? Like we get what we focus on the bad things and we get what we focus on. The it works things, either way. hundred percent. Right? Like, the great thing is yeah. you're in control of it either way. So it's your choice. You're empowered to have the life that you want. It's just, what is it that you're going after? Yeah. You know, so for for people that maybe don't know your story a little bit, um, you know, I'm I'm sure you've you've repeated a bunch a bunch of times on podcasts. But what I'm curious about is, um, you know, uh, like just you know, like that in the beginning, like you know, someone like as a as a kid, like most kids aren't walking around like I need to make money at such a young age. Right. But like there was some people make it because, you know, I just want, you know, clothes or like I, I was talking, I was joking around. I want to make it because I wanted to get a boom box, but I felt like, like you learned something, you know, that some people never really learn. Um, really when you, you, you said something like, I think two things you, you, you said, like, you know, I'm going to make money until money doesn't matter you know, um, after that, because I felt like you connected the money to, um, you know, like just, you know, like happiness, like, you know, you saw it or just, you know, like you wanted to do it for your mom, even, you know, seeing like who, you know, you wanted to make her proud maybe even, or you wanted to feel, feel proud. So like money was a connection to, oh, well, if I'm poor, then I can't, you know, I don't know what you were feeling, like thinking as a six-year-old, but you were surely very more well ahead than I, you know, many, many six-year-olds. But then the other thing was just like, I'm going to only focus on the good that brought happiness. I just thought that like, not the bad that made strong people cry. Cause you could know like, okay, you know, your mom was crying because she felt like you thought her daughter thought just finally realized, oh, I'm poor or what poor meant. So I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the good. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me, tell us a little bit about that story. Maybe kind of, you know, how you, you know, kind of, um, you know, continued to have that fire lit. In yeah, you, absolutely. You know, to, to what you're doing today. Well, so yeah. the first part of it is when I said I was going to have money until money didn't matter. I don't remember when I started seeing money this way, but for as good as I can remember, I've always seen money as a tool. I've never thought money gave you happiness. I never thought that it made people evil. I just saw it as an amplifier. It would help you get things so that there would be a point when you would have enough of it that you wouldn't even think about it. So if you have a hammer, you don't think about how am I going to hang those photos? You just go and hang the pictures, right? So that's part of what I meant by I'm going to have money until money doesn't matter. Because not having money was a thing. I figured there was a point where you had enough money to where it wasn't a thing. And in that situation where I'd sold the rocks at school, my teacher had called my mom and said, you know, she found out she's poor. She's so upset. She really felt like she needed to solve it because you couldn't do it. 
And thinking about that from an adult's point of view, that your child didn't think that you could handle something. And part of that was how precocious I was. And part of that was I really feared she didn't know how. And just seeing the way that she reacted to that, because in the book I talk about how my mom was the toughest person I knew. I'd never seen her cry before then. And she cried when she said, you know, money is something that you have. It's not who you are. And I thought, okay, I am going to focus on the things that make me proud, that make me feel motivated because I knew without understanding it logically that I felt empowered when I thought about being able to do big things and that that would be what I focused on. And really, our feelings are a great guidance system for us. And I think as a child, you're much more in tune with that than you are as an adult. Yeah. You know, it's um, it, like I, I, I what really kind of struck me was like the fact that, um, you know, yeah, it, it, it was like this relationship with like money at a, at a young age that you really kind of like it wasn't like you said, it could, you know, you could use, you know, accumulate it to do lots of, you know, evil things and bad things. But you were kind of, you know, at a young age realizing that, um, uh, that like like this is. This is there's an emotional quality about it. It's it's more freedom than it is for, you know, um, like some self-centered reason or anything like that. Well, I don't that. even so, think it's freedom, Alex. I, I think it's an amplifier. It's a tool. Amplifier. You will get more okay. of what you already are because you're able to use it okay. that way. Because I know people who have much more money than I do and they're trapped. It's like a golden handcuff. And it's because they would have been trapped if they had a little bit of money and they're trapped if they have a whole lot of money. So I think it's really important that people see it as that amplifier because number one, that means you can be happy no matter how much money you have. And number two, okay. it makes it easier for you to accumulate it if you don't see it as the end result, but instead just a tool. Yeah. Well, Talk to me a little bit about, um, so, you know, I, I, I loved like your come up story kind of in, in sales and now you're, you know, an author and, and doing, um, the entrepreneurial thing, but as a little kid, I mean, you know, selling was, um, uh, you know, just something I, I feel like you took to, cause you really, you know, set out to serve people and to, you know, over deliver. I mean, uh, you, you know, not just even over deliver, but really give to them, mm -hmm. you know, experiences that were unexpected to them. And so, um, tell me a little bit about like, tell, tell them, <laughs> I, I, I just love like, kind of like how you thought about things as a 12 year old, as a 12 year old, you're kind of thinking, first of all, getting a job at, at 12 for Avon probably is unheard of even today, but, um, you know, what you were able to do for women, I loved like how you, you would sit with women and not just sell them makeup, but you actually, you know, kind of helped, um, you know, spend time with them, gave them tips and advice. Talk to me a little bit about how you viewed sales that way as a as a 12 year old and kind of what your strategy was okay i had no strategy let's be clear <laughs> uh, okay. the whole thing with with avon they sold me or they allowed me to sell because they didn't know how old i was they didn't ask i didn't say and back in in those days over 20 30 years ago that was okay um from what i was doing it was that i thought okay i'll go and talk to people and i'll see if i have a way that i can help them 
And I have always seen selling as helping. And if I can help you, someone will give you money in exchange for that help. What was so great about the women in the neighborhood, because I lived in an older neighborhood, most of them were grandmothers. And, you know, their kids were grown. They didn't see their grandkids quite as much as they'd like to. So having a little kid come and spend time with them and be really interested in their stories to them was this great value. To me, it was fun and interesting and the sale was almost a byproduct. And that served me so well when I got older and people were like, are you afraid to sell? I'm like, well, I've done it before without trying. So I feel like if I just keep (laughs) doing that process of helping, it'll work out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, and I like that because you, you, I've even heard you say like, yeah, you know, sales leaders were kind of nervous about hiring you for like a new, Always. you know, uh, industry or like new technical skill or technology or maybe getting into software. It's like, oh, this person doesn't have, and they've done it to me too. Oh, they don't have this technical mm-hmm. skill. They don't have SaaS experience or something like that. So I, I, I remember being laid off and just, you know, it was like a, a, a slog to get something. But I think, you know, people you know, that can take a risk and identify that, you know, because it's much harder. I, I call them human skills, the, the way to connect to people. Sure. Like, what were some of the things that you probably, if you had to pinpoint some of the best skills that you had, you know, whether it's Avon or even today, you know, just um, what what's what served you then well and, you know, what skills serve you uh, well now and, and um you know, how would you define that for yourself? Well, I think this is true for when I hire as well. Attitude over skill. You can teach skill. Quit getting wrapped up in that. When people are wrapped up in skill, it is because they are afraid for some reason. It really doesn't have anything to do with the applicant. Skill can always be taught. The second is I was always looking to help people. And I, I keep saying the same thing and it's overly simple, but That meant whether it was what I was selling or what somebody else had, or if we could fix things and help them without selling them anything, I didn't care. I just wanted to help. And whether that led to them deciding to buy something in that moment, them referring me to to someone later on, them buying at a later date, that always paid off. And it wasn't just a, people are like, oh, it's a great long-term strategy. No, sometimes that really pays off right in the beginning. It's really that desire to be of value to others and not worry so much about how it's reciprocated. Yeah, no, that's good. Like, I think the last part you, you, you is like so key because like if you're, if that's a way of being, like I'm not just trying to help for this certain situation or, you know, some people like think that, you know, some people I've, I've even heard say, well, you know, if you're just... Sometimes when you set out to just, you know, help or I want to help or something like that, it's just, well, you know, okay, everyone wants to be able to do that. But it's different, I think, of actually um, or, you know, some people like, you know, I don't know, they don't, uh, you know, set out intentions to help. They just go, yeah, service. I want to be of help. If I can help someone, great. If, if, if I can be someone that is helpful, great. But that's, you know, different than saying I always if. Like I, I want to be like a someone who will always uh, help someone regardless if they're paying me now or not. I'm I, that's who I want to be. Then your actions, you know, start looking a little bit differently because you're not motivated by like a short term thing, like you said. So maybe it's a referral, maybe it's not. Maybe it never has to. I'm sure you've helped people a ton. April and it never came back to you and it and sure. it may never come back to you but that's not 
what motivated you to to help, right? It maybe is a more internal question. You're like, what do I, what is my, again, going back to the, what, what do I want? What do, who do I want to be, you know, truly, you know, in this, um, in this interaction. Well, and I think too, I don't know what you think there's such it. a symbiotic relationship with what you put out in the world and what comes back to you. And so I don't have to get something from helping someone because so many people have helped me when I wasn't in the position to help them. And I'm always cognizant of that. And for folks who really can't wrap their head around this, I always think of farming. And you know, in sales, they talk about hunting and farming, but in a different way than I mean it right now. Let's say you just planted a whole bunch of carrots. And I have no idea why, Alex, but I always use carrots. And you're going <laughs> to water them. You're going to till the soil. You're going to fertilize them. You're going to give time to them. But you're not watching individual carrots like, all right, buddy, when are you going to pay off? You just know you've put it all out there and you're going to get a great crop and it's going to be more than you need. And when you have that approach to life, you have everything you want. You know, Zig Ziglar says it better than anyone I know, right? You can have everything you want if you help enough other people get what they want. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I think um, it's, it's funny because people feel like, you know, there has to be like this sometimes uh, like um, I've heard it in sales like, OK, we're we'll we'll negotiate, but we'll give something. But what are we getting in return? You know, we there has to be some give and take. There has mm-hmm. to be some, you know, um, a win win on both sides or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. End of the court. End of the quarters coming up and hey, we'll we'll give these concessions, but we want a commitment, yick. you know, on the other side. Yick right? All yeah, over the place it, with that. Yick, yick. <laughs> and I've and I've heard it. Uh, I know you've you've had if. As a VP of sales in your time, I, I'm sure you've either come across reps or other, you know, CROs, other people who have wanted you to, you know, give, you know, with return, right? And so, and then, but then I, the other camp on their side is like, well, if you give, you know, if you're too, you know, generous and you're, you're watering and everything, and oh, that's a great analogy. I love that analogy, but like, I don't know what analogy I could use, but like, if you, what if we give too much, Rachel? And what if the person still screws us in the end? You know, what if worms um, had what, machine what guns? How it come in? <laughs> right? Totally different world. Like someone who says that is coming from a place of fear. They're coming from a place of scarcity. Okay. And one yeah. thing that was a huge blessing is this method works very quickly. And so those CROs, those heads of sales, those CEOs, they got off my back very quickly. We don't understand what April does. We're not even sure we agree with it, but it works and we don't bother her. And that's great because I wouldn't have called to make that special deal at the end of the quarter because I think it's slimy. And as crazy as this sounds, I led with my best price. If they were in an organization where based on the way that the organization was structured, it needed to look like they got a deal. I said, listen, how many levels are you going to have to go up? Are you going to have to get a deal? And then your boss is going to have to get a little bit of a deal. I'm going to start out showing you what that final best price is I can do. You tell me how we need to pad it for your organization. But you and I, we know that I'm going to give you the best that I can because that's a respect thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You, you're not hiding anything. You're transparent. You're you get that buy-in. Like I, I'm like we're on the same side of the table here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how we, you know, sell this internally. But you know, you know, I'm I'm coming with the goods. I'm I'm like uh, there's there. I'm not I'm not some you know. Um, uh, this is uh, not like buying a car or something like that. Let me let me go <laughs> talk to my yeah, manager. You, like none of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No. 
Um, I love that. Bec- I love that, like that you were prefacing with that. Um, you know, you were actually like, the, the, if you picked up a subtle thing that April did there, it's like, hey, like if you have to do this, like talk talk to me about your concerns mm-hmm. or like how you have to sell this internally. Like, let's talk about the dynamics because maybe the ask isn't just like April lower your price or whatever. It's just kind of like the the dynamics of it. Like, let's talk through mm-hmm. that. You know, like there's there's fear on both sides. Like. We all have them, right? So it's like, let's try to talk through what the fears are because someone else has fears too. What are their fears? What are your fears? You don't want to like have egg on your face with them. They don't want to, you know, their stock price to grow, whatever it is. They're, they're, you know, like they don't want to have to cancel. Let's talk through Mm -hmm. that. And, and, you know, you know that you're getting the best from me, but if I know like, you know, what's going on on your side, we can, we can work through this together 100 percent. Right? and we're looking to when you're i think a great sales professional you want to make that person look like a rock star right so how yeah. how do yeah. i help you what jerry mcguire help me help you yeah 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 um something cool that i like also like it kind of like actually it's a nice segue into kind of what you do with the generosity culture and kind of what you teach. So I I saw something you posted on LinkedIn the other day about like, if someone isn't, you thought the sale was going really great. It was going so, so well. And they didn't buy like why. And you, 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 this great analogy on like three beliefs, you know, either you didn't believe in the product you were selling, you know, they didn't believe that, you know, it could, you know, better their situation. And there, there was like a third belief and it was like, um, like they, it was, it, it, you were, you, it was all about mm-hmm. beliefs, right? And maybe you could talk through that. And cause I want to tell a story about like another story about the book and where I thought was such a sale that this person made to you or, and maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but I, I want to tell the story, but after, can you walk people through kind of what you think about beliefs and, and, um, you know, how they relate to yeah, sales. Absolutely. So we all have to believe in order to buy. You have to believe that it's going to fit your needs. You have to believe that it's going to help you. And as a salesperson, I don't know a single salesperson who's a good one who can sell something they don't believe in. So if they don't believe in their product or service, they're not going to do a great job selling it. If they don't believe in themselves, they're not going to do a great job selling it, right? Because if you don't have confidence in who you are, that you can deliver if you're an entrepreneur or that your company can deliver if it's a company, you're not going to do a good job selling. And then the last one is if you have everything else is perfect, you have a, a great offering, you believe in yourself, you believe in your company, but the other person doesn't think they or their team will show up and make the purchase worth it. So if it's personal training, they don't think they're gonna be able to get the nutrition in line. If it is an entrepreneur, they don't think that they're gonna really put themselves out there and put the plan that you gave them into action. They're not gonna pull the trigger and that doesn't have anything to do with you. And you've tried to help them, that's a win. You can part as friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it made like so, I think belief is so key. And sometimes like you don't know whether or not someone believes in what you're offering, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe they say something to you and um, maybe out of fear, they say something just that you want to hear. And it's um, th- they secretly don't believe in the situation. Like, you know, things were going well. And then all of a sudden, like they just they were nice. They didn't want to hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. But then they didn't buy. Right. Um, and, um, you know, like so 
like there, there was this great story in this book. I just love people like this. This is why I started this podcast is because I think there's people all around our lives that believe in us, you know, in the worst of times when we definitely don't believe in ourselves. And I don't think any one of us can admit we believe in ourselves 100% of the time. Right. You know, we can say, yes, we do. But there are these moments where we may be that that doubt creeps in and we have to like work on it ourselves. We have sure. to talk to our friends, all of us. We need family, mentor. We all need people to believe in us, right? Um, and you had like just this beautiful person believe in you and your mom growing up. Uh, you know, an HR woman that wor- worked with your mom, you know, when she was going through some really tough times at work. I'd never heard a story like this where like an HR person was able to work with an employee that was going through an employee issue and actually work with their kids. And 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 she said, I'm like writing this down. I was like, this kind of gave me chills. It was like, I, and I might st- steal a little of this. Her name is Aunt Sue. Right? And you, you probably, you know, right? Her name. If I promised that you, that completing this program that we, they were going to put your mom, you know, into work with your mom with would make both of your lives better. Do you feel like you can believe in that? Mm-hmm. So she was trying to like, you know, understand like if if like we both want your your lives to be better, do you feel like you can believe mm-hmm. in that? Tell me about like I don't know how much you're willing to share about this story, oh, but what do you thing. think about that? Like you're <laughs> dancing all around it in the sweetest way. My mom had substance abuse <laughs> issues. She was going to rehab. <laughs> and you're right, it absolutely wasn't done. Sue Harper, who was an amazing woman, she is a, a great friend and mentor. And I'm still not good at saying was. She passed away in February this year. And Mm. just this incredible woman who spearheaded these programs at this factory. She was the head of human resources. She brought in this partnership with the rehabilitation center. My mom really had a choice. You get fired because obviously you have a problem or you can go to rehab. But she also remembered from like annual company picnics that she had a little girl. She was a single mom. So she wanted to be there. Again, not done. That was not done in that day. I don't even know if it's done today. But what she did that leaders can do for their people as well is she let me borrow her belief because she believed my mom making this choice was going to change our lives. And then in her very Sue Harper way, she also added, I'd like to be your friend. I'd like to be your mentor. So regardless of what happened with my mom in that situation, my life was going to get better just because she was in it. Wow, I never heard it put that way. Borrow relief, and and you eventually kept it. I'm sure once you know, kind of things did improve. Um, and I'm so incredible, like the world. Sorry for like losing someone, but you know, like for what she taught, and I I like to think about it with my dad too. Um, he taught me so much, and it's still tough a couple of years later to say was. Right. I, I I I tend to say will always be right. My dad Sue will always be someone that did all of these things. Um, did you get a chance to say anything at her? Um, you'll, I, I just can't imagine what someone like that, like the stories and things that people got up and said about her, because I'm sure you were not the only person that she Oh, no, touched. not at all. She, if there were some highlights. She was just this most incredible woman who touched people's lives wherever she went. And I wasn't able to make her funeral because of travel commitments. And her daughter sent me the eulogy. And I was in the eulogy because she was so impacted by our friendship. And 
she made that offer to everyone. That was the funny part. I asked her just a couple of years before she passed. I did a a video, a speaker video about the generosity culture. And I asked her this burning question that I've had for 30 something years. Why me? Like, why did you choose me? And what she said might have been disheartening to another person, which was, I always made that offer to people and you just took me up on it. Now, I didn't take that as you're not special. I took that as, holy moly, this woman was amazing. So this was just a Tuesday for her. I'm going to change your life and make all your dreams come true. But for me, yeah, okay, did that. Next thing. I mean, amazing. I mean, I had someone, I mean, if I don't know if you'll ever listen to this podcast, but Tom Nelson, one of my teachers in school, I feel like we all probably have these oh, people, yeah. maybe not as prolific as Sue. Um, but if we really thought about it, like who in our lives did something unexpected for us or let us borrow their belief? Oh, there's a list. You know, whether it's a coach or teacher. You yeah, can make mother, a list you know, of every person who has impacted your life and gotten you where you are. And if you have less than 100 people, I'll be shocked. 100? Wow. Mine was well over 100. Someone recommended this, and I feel terrible because I cannot think of his name at the moment because I heard it secondhand. But the moment I heard about it, I was like, I want to make this list. It was like 156 people. It was amazing. And. And all not like in different ways, right? If they were like introducing oh, you to oh, people, it yes. doesn't have to all be like, oh, they changed my, they like, well, because you know, it, um, introduced me to my 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 wife or my husband. Well, it's or, like six you know, degrees. Gave me money when I didn't have yeah, any. Yeah, it's like yeah. six degrees of separation, yeah. right? Sometimes someone was rude to you and wouldn't let you switch a meeting around. But because of that, you were getting off an elevator at whatever time and you ran into the person that became your best friend. Okay, that mean person makes my list. I'm happy that I knew them. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it's true. Like there's people that laid me off that uh, I was not happy with them when they did it, but they gave me the greatest gift yes. possible because they gave me a different life that I couldn't give to myself. 100%. That um, is life happening yeah. for you, by the way. Not to you. Yeah. Um, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit as we kind of, you know, near, like, talk to me a little bit, like how you define generosity and what you do with the generosity culture. Um, Because, um, you know, I think a lot of people may get the definition slightly, you know, twisted. They grab their wallet. They get worried. Yeah. 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 Oh, like this is, you know, okay. Giving someone a hundred dollar tip or, you know, just, uh, I don't know, always over tipping or it's, you know, um, I don't know. It's just kind of just doing something like super, super nice for somebody. But I feel like there's a different intention. There's a, a true intention about what you're teaching and tr- teaching leaders as well. Because uh, on your website, I love that, you know, you, you say to people, you, you're doing something generous with your website. If people don't go, go to like, we'll, we'll give you all the show notes. We, if you go to April's website, it'll say, let's have three calls. I'm going to give you three calls and we might, you know, accomplish everything we need to in those three Mm -hmm. calls. And then it says like, these are the people that depend on me. And they're like the United States Marine Corps, (laughs) Fox Sports, (laughs) CBS, and you know, all these amazing logos. So I'm like, okay, wait, like that, I'm intrigued now. So like, you know, obviously like if there's, if the, if people need you, they probably schedule a fourth, but if, if not, then they've got all they needed right then and there. And Maybe they never do anything and maybe they they do. So, 
yeah, talk talk to me about how you define generosity and kind of what you do with the generosity. Well, culture. you really explained it very well because to me, it's not about money. And if it was about money, it'd be a lot easier, right? Just write somebody a check, fix everything. No, this is about your time and your intent and pouring into your people, your clients, and your community. And what is so incredible about that is as you pour into your people, you're building a bench of leaders, you're creating people who can take the torch from you, and you're also modeling, which is the most important leadership tool. And if you have a child, you know what I mean, because they do what you do, they don't do what you say. And you're modeling to them how to treat your clients. And by pouring into your clients, I have seen organizations that I've worked with no longer need outbound sales teams anymore because they have poured into their clients so much that their clients become evangelists for them. And they are recruiting and referring other clients to come and be a part of what that organization has to offer. And then the last part is the community because everything is symbiotic, right? The businesses support the community. The community supports the business, whether it is local, global, or regional, it doesn't matter. But by supporting the community around you, you give the people who work for you a purpose greater than just having that job. And building a generosity culture, recession-proofs you, future-proofs you, and means that you're not going to have worry about recruiting good people because a good culture, a really good culture, not only recruits great people, it repels bad ones. Hmm. You know, I, I, I just, yeah, I'm like so into what you just said. So I, I think people think like they put, maybe they put this, like some version of generosity in their, you know, mission statements or the values. And I've heard, you know, I've had other guests, there's something very different than putting our values on the walls and, and, and then something different when you actually practice yes. them, you know, in the halls and creating a culture around it. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe I don't know if you've asked something similar to this, but you know, just taking being, being devil's advocate, can you ever be too generous um, in a in a in a generosity culture? And and where do people get it wrong? Like, is there um, and, and maybe that's the wrong question. Um, but uh, do people uh, you know think about and they go April? Okay, where does where is the line of generosity? How? You know, and those are probably maybe not people you 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 work with, but I don't know. No, it makes sense. You know what I no, mean? No, like People think people. It's human nature to think like, is there is it infinite? Mm -hmm. You know, like um, talk to me about like um, limits or non limits of generosity so, and how you how you come to that. Uh, really, when you think about it, people who are worried about this, people who are worried about can you give too much? They don't have boundaries, or they're not good with boundaries. So an example I can give is I do those calls with folks. I'll do three calls and explain everything about their business or their leadership challenge or whatever it is and what they need to do and give them their marching orders of how they can execute that. If that person then comes back to me in two months, three months, four months and says, hey, I need more help, then I would share with them, okay, awesome. These are the different ways that you can work with me and these are the costs. And the reason is... I know what I am comfortable giving that I can give without any resentment, without any issue, 
And I give that freely and happily. And then if someone wants more than that, then they have the opportunity to engage with me. And that is a boundary. Where that could be a problem is if when somebody came back and they asked for more help, but they weren't showing up for themselves because the investment is more about them showing up, right? So that they are investing in themselves. And I went ahead and gave them that help. They still wouldn't get anything out of it because they're not putting their portion into it. And I would be resentful. So when folks worry about overgiving, it's because they're not practicing the kind of boundaries they need to, whether that's with their employer, their partners, their kids, their clients. We all have to know what is the place where we feel comfortable operating and feel comfortable and confident sharing that with the world. Hmm. That could be different from each person. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine like as a generosity culture, you can have like, you know, kind of tenants and themes and like. Absolutely. But, um, how, 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 if it looks different for everyone, how can you, you know, uh, how, how do you tell leaders to foster that culture? Um, you know, if it, if, if you, are you subs prescribing things? Um, maybe what are some, you know, key, key leadership things that you, um, uh, discuss with the organizations you work with to to make that culture thrive? It's literally those three things that I mentioned. And again, they sound so simple, okay. but pouring yeah. into your people, your clients and your community. Yeah. Okay, so then what does pouring into your people look like? Pouring into your people okay. looks like having those one-on-ones and spending time with your team where you're not talking about their jobs and their deliverables. You're talking about who they are as a person and what they want for their life. You're learning about them. You're learning how you can motivate them, how you can best enable them and empower them. And in doing that, you're modeling for them how to have those conversations with their people and with clients. And when there are issues with clients, you are stepping into that conflict and taking that unhappy client as a chance to hero the situation and make it better than it was before. So that that client is not just as happy as they would have been if nothing bad happened, they're even happier than they would have been if nothing bad had ever happened. So it is pouring into your people, to your clients, and to your community, and all the ways that you can do that. That's going to be different in different organizations, but they are guiding tenants. It's along the lines of, again, I'm going to go back. I love my workout analogies. If you were to come to me as a trainer, I need you to do cardio. Cardio for me might be walking. Cardio for you might be running or swimming. I don't care what your cardio is. You get the flexibility to do that in the way that works best for you and your company, but the cardio has to be there. And then you have to have the other two elements, right? You've got to have your nutrition on spot and you've got to also have some sort of weight-bearing activity. Again, you can have the flexibility within those, and I'm happy to share with them how to best do that in their organization and give them some ideas. But ultimately, the way a generosity culture works is if it comes from within and there's ownership and desire to do it within the company versus me saying exactly what it should look like. Yeah. I bet you people have like come up with like some really awesome ideas just around yes. these guidelines, like guidelines that you haven't even thought of. You're in like... That's what this is all it's about. It's incredible. Because you know? they never would have thought about it unless their company was like kind of directing it or kind of 
fostering yes. that environment. I have a, a great right? example. A sergeant major in the army, Jill Johnson, she had me come and, and work with her soldiers. And one of the things I do with mindset is three wins of the day, you know, that you say those out loud or you write them down in a journal. Well, she started having her entire team make a win board and write it on the board every day all week long. And at the end of the week, they would look at their wins for the week. And it was incredible for morale, so much so that one of the people, their relative was a teacher, and she started doing it in her third grade classroom. So yes, people go way further with it and make it even better than what I even bring to them, which is incredible. That's cool. You're looking at it like every day and like you're seeing other people's, right? Like you didn't know, like the, no one even had a chance to tell, talk about their wins because maybe we only think wins are sales, you know, like we're only rewarding, like, like if we're in sales, like okay, did someone get make yeah. a sale today or this week? And, and, and typically maybe they don't. And you the know? win could but be. They are having yes. wins. They have, they're winning, but they don't see it. We don't have that visibility into it. It's not tangible, well, right? And like, that win could be an amazing cup of coffee. And I'm going to pull this <laughs> full circle back to the beginning of our conversation. You get more of what you focus on. So what do you think started happening for that team that every day was focusing on how much everyone was winning? Started to win more. Were, you, you got know, it. Started to see more and they were more positive. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I could talk to you for so long. I know we're kind of coming to, um, you know, uh, like I, I usually ask people like a fun question about them. But before I let you go, I, I usually ask this at the very beginning of, but I feel like you've answered it throughout this whole conversation. <laughs> but maybe I have to ask it and see if you'll like, you know, take it somewhere else. Maybe you can use a lot of things you said. But I, I ask everyone, you know, April, when you hear that term, you saw the name of the podcast, Stories of Selling Human, right? And when I say that to you, sell something and and sell it by being human, what does that mean for you? And, you know, maybe, you know, how would you define that in, in kind of what your experiences has been, um, in life, whether it's business or help someone you say, sell, I hear help. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny that everyone, like when, like in, in, in Dan Pink's book, I reference it all the time. You, you ask people, like, when you hear the word sale or sell, like, what do you think of? Like, used car salesman, icky, pushy. It's, it's this persona that I'm, you know, like maybe trying to hide something from you or get something out of you or just get money from you, or, you know, it's about me, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and certainly, you know, bad salespeople and people that have, there's no shortage of them on the internet or anywhere you look that are like trying to, you know, you are a dollar sign to them and that's it. You know, you are not, um, someone, um, that, uh, is an opportunity to, to kind of pour into, you know, for them. And yeah, what can we all do to kind of, um, you know, uh, you know, change that perception, um, uh, you know, about it? I think two things. The first is, again, seek first to help. The second is make it easy to say no. Make it easy for them to say, I'm not interested. This isn't for me. I don't want this. And make it easy to say no often and early because the moment they know they can leave, then they can choose to stay. And if they do leave or don't want to talk about the sale anymore, no one's lost anything. You've both gained time back in your day, your life. And if you've done it right, you might have gained a friend. Yeah, well said, well said. 
Um, well, April, I, I don't let anyone leave without a fun question about you because I think we're all these unique human beings that, you know, I think like we, we can connect to each other off of these like really unique things. So it's a fun question about you. I told you okay. in the beginning. So I've asked, I asked Bob Berg this earlier <laughs> today. So he, he had a Love fun Bob. answer for me. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what his answer was after yours. But, um, so if I ask like the people closest to you or your friends, your family, like something that is just so totally April, something that would only and could only happen to April. Maybe it's like something only April would do. What is the first thing that they might tell me? What what would come to mind um, that is just so totally So new? totally April. I love this. Okay. So meeting a bunch of strangers and completely interacting with the group as if they've been the best of friends for all their life, but the strangers are five. They're all five-year-olds. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, you know, that can get you into trouble. You know, we, we're kindred spirits. People would, I, I <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm similar, but they're like, wait, he, that's not normal. Maybe he has a thing for, is he, is he in, into children or something? Like, why? Why do you got to take it to the creepy place? No one has ever exactly. said that to me. Like, I, I, <laughs> exactly. But I have had people like even think that, and I'm like, you know what? It's you get what you focus That's right. on. You know. Again, going to the back of the beginning, I could see you just chumming it up. I mean, you sold rocks. I mean, you you could see that is who you are. Your identity is. I am a five year old with a bank account, and that is success. <laughs> That's. <laughs> That is a, a powerful uh, force of nature, right there. A, a five-year-old That's with right. a bank account, um, and 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 a life of experience um, and knowledge and wisdom to go to go with it. Wow, Bob told me that um, he he was you know just very klutzy. Like he just he'd 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 he'd, he'd stumble over something. My wife said you I don't know would I I just clumsy. It was what they would say. I don't know what. Like you just. Oh, see, see, Bob is so self-deprecating. I would say charming and kind. Anything is charming, kind, and giving. That's so Bob Burke. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're you're cut from the same cloth. Um, well, um, April, where could people continue to learn more about the generosity culture, what you do, and and um, and, and just. Get to know you all of better. the things so you mentioned a couple times i'm very active on linkedin also go to my website drivenoutcomes.com if you want to see some of my og old school stuff like when i was doing youtube video series you can go to my youtube channel which is also uh, april sprints it's easy to find if you can spell that last name it's always me <laughs> yeah i i i uh it's the, you know the sh is that's what right I no no c in there or sh ch it's the sh uh and you'll there be you good go. to go and z um and i will throw something again to you like i i was like let me see all the socials all the things and you know she has a really awesome instagram page gang gang uh and where she actually took you know her followers through like this is my where I grew up in Tennessee. This is oh, the house. Yeah. This is the rock this is the gravel driveway and the rocks. And I was like, okay, this is real. Like I I am there. I can see your painting and you know, just everything. And it and it's an amazing story, April. And um, you know, um so glad to know you through this group. And uh yeah, ho hopefully it's uh, not the last time we Oh, speak. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Alex. Awesome. Thanks a lot, April. Hey gang, all right, wow, you made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. 
If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.